Derek Tice. He is a husband, a father, a minister, and uh, just this year, earlier in February, he became the youth pastor of Generations Ministry to Teenagers. Uh, he is so anointed, but he has been faithfully involved ministering to those teens, I think for decades. I don't know how long it is. And you've also seen him up here shredding on the guitar on the worship team for, for years and years and years. But today, this morning, we finally get to welcome him on a Sunday morning for the first time to come and minister to us. So grab your coffee, grab the kids, wake the neighbors, open your heart, and help me welcome Mr. Derek Tice. <laughs> All right, awesome. Praise God. I've been doing these, uh, these videos these, uh, for the teenagers and having to do these YouTube videos and just staring at a camera, and then here I am on Sunday morning staring at a camera. This is awesome. So yeah, I just want to kind of introduce myself. Some of you guys who really don't know everything about me. Um, I became a Christian when I was 16, and uh, thanks to the prayers of my mother, you know, what's a praying mother is is awesome. And I started going to the church when I was around 17, back in 94, 95. Um, Started going to the youth group as a teenager, back when John and Janice Alexander were youth pastors, and they became like my spiritual parents. I love you guys. John's behind the camera. I love you. And um, I met my wife here in the sanctuary. I got married right here on the stage uh, back in 2002. I uh, dedicated three of my kids here as babies, and now my two girls are full-blown teenagers. My little boy is about to become a preteen uh, pretty soon, and it's like, where did all the time go? It's crazy. And um, I've been, like Scott said, I've been involved with the, in the youth ministry here for kind of over 20 years. I pretty much just never left. Been on the worship team for about almost 10 years. And, you know, this, my point is, this is home. This is, this is family. I love this church. I love my pastors. I love, I've, I've been fed here for so many years since I was a teenager, all the way to a full-blown, over-the-hill adult that I am now. And it's just amazing. I love this church. And this is a true honor and a privilege to be up here. It's a weird time, and that kind of makes it easier for me not to have to see hundreds of eyeballs staring at me. I can just look at the big black eyeball back there and, and just uh, begin to speak. So, God, just, and God is so amazing. He's so awesome. He's so huge. He's glorious. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is, um, he's love. He's peace. He's good. He's just amazing. And as I, as I pursue him more and as I, as I discover more about him in his word and just through prayer and just him communing with me, it just, it just blows my socks off. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. And it's, it's hard for me because I'm a deep thinker. I'm always thinking real deep thoughts and I'm always talking to God and just thinking like, what is this? What are we? So I'm, I'm entitling in my message today, Reach for the Son, S-O-N, Son, Jesus. And Again, I have these, these deep thoughts here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this illustration here. I'm a person that always uses metaphors, always use illustrations, like Jesus did. Jesus used the parables to illustrate the kingdom of God, to illustrate all kinds of things, because it helps us as people to visualize what's, what's being talked about. It also helps us to bring everything to a natural sense to understand the spiritual. So I have this deep thought, and I'm thinking, like, God is awesome, he's amazing, and but he's so mysterious. The things about him are just, what's going on? What, what's this all about? And I watch a lot of wildlife documentaries. I watch like wildlife, how they grow, and you watch like the, the speed up process of the plants when they're growing. 
And I think about like the earth, the whole order of the earth, it seems like everything's built around seeds and growing and, and whether it be plants and vegetation, it's also in the animal kingdom or in the human kingdom. It's always something that's planted and then grows. Seeds are planted in the ground or planted in, the, in an egg or in, in the womb and things go through this process to become what their purpose to be. So it seems like I look at the earth and it's like, hmm, the earth is like this big garden that's just floating in the universe. And compared to the universe, the earth is like a little speck just floating around in the, in the universe. And I think of the scripture where it says, God says, you know, the heavens is his throne and the earth is his footstool. So he's like he has all of his, all of his attention, all of his, all of his focus on this little bitty speck in the universe. And it's like this garden that he's beginning to do something with. So in this current state, it feels like the earth is like a, a big garden. And so you guys work with me here. Just, I'm, I'm painting a picture. So, and it's also interesting to see, and it's also another interesting thing, is there's no other life known in our known universe besides in the earth. And it just, that's another mystery that just, just blows me up. So I'm just thinking, something's bigger here. Something's going on. And we think about it, it's also interesting that we see the beginning of mankind starts in a garden. We call it the, the, garden of, uh, the Garden of Eden. And that's kind of where it all starts. And so for some reason, God decided to create mankind. And when I say mankind and man, just stay with me, ladies. I'm also including ladies because it's humankind, mankind, womankind. So it's like he began to, to grow us here on the earth for some, some purpose. He put us in this natural realm to purpose us here to do something. And, and the, for lack of a better word, the best thing I can use is like a seed. And I'm not saying that human beings are a seed, but like a seed. And so let's think about what a seed is. A seed is this little bitty insignificant little thing. I mean, you can just, you know, we eat it, right? Birds eat it and everything. I have a little dwarf hamster. It's a cute little thing. It's full grown. That's how big he is. And he eats little seeds and stuff, and he just and he loves it. But these little bitty seed, all of this potential is inside this itty bitty seed. Everything that it needs, the food, the energy, the whole genetic makeup is inside, is inside that seed. And that seed is going to grow to be, to be what, its poten- what its purpose to be, what its potential is. And it's, it's amazing. So, and in order for a seed to begin becoming what its purpose to be, it has to go through a process called, called germination. Now germination is like that process where the plant, or the, I should say the seed, is in, the, in its perfect conditions to begin to grow. And so it has to have the water, it has to have the nutrients, it has to have all these things, and it's a very complex thing. And, and then once that seed is in that position, it can, it can begin to develop and begin to grow and, and begin to burst forth. And so this whole germination process is like the seed begins to grow its roots down, and this little bitty baby plant that lives inside of it breaks out and begins to reach for the, uh, for the sky and break through, the, through the, the surface. And these little leaves sprout out, and those leaves is what begins the photosynthesis process, where it's processing the sunlight, and it's, process, and it's bringing in the water, and it's bringing in carbon dioxide. And I just think that's amazing. And so, but the whole purpose is that seed is not, in the beginning, it's not what it is supposed to be yet. It has to get through this process. And a seed doesn't become a, become a plant or a tree until it, it goes through that process, until it's in the right conditions to begin to grow. And so a seed can remain a seed for years. I, I didn't know, but like seeds actually last for years. And you can, like years later, you can actually plant them. I always thought that they kind of just 
died off after a year or something like that. But it, it's just amazing. I, so I, I kind of read a lot about seeds, but I'm not going to talk about seeds too much. I'm just kind of trying to put an illustration here. So I, I keep thinking, what is God up to? What's going on here? And I look at the uh, Isaiah 55, verse 8. It says, and this is God speaking, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And we can also look at it, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So something's going on here. What's, what is this all about? So we, what is mankind that God cares about us? I mean, we're like these fuzzy, ingrown, toenailed, warded, smelly, flagellant, potty-going people. And it's like, what is this? You know, I watch a lot of America's Funniest Home videos, and you see people just acting a fool, being goofy. People always fall down. And then we laugh at it. I laugh at it. I think it's funny. And even the, the, the pretty of us, the pretty of us people, the best looking of us people are still stinky. They still got to go potty. And they still get sick. And they're still just, ugh. So you're thinking, what is this? God, why do you consider us? I mean, wh- what, is, what are we? In Psalms 144, it says, verse 3, it says, Lord, what are human beings that you, are, that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. Job 7, verse 17, it says, What is mankind that you, are, that you make so much of them, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test them every moment? And then finally, Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and made them rulers over the, world, over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim and paths and of the seas. And the same, the same scripture is, is referred to later on by the author of Hebrews in chapter 2, talking about Jesus. And, and there that chapter is talking, and you should go back and read it. Hebrews chapter 2 is amazing. Talk about the, superior, the superiority of Jesus, how he became a, how he became a man, he overcame and he was glorified. And so scriptures tell us that mankind is made in the image and the likeness of God. And so in order to understand, okay, so what's God like? We have to understand what God's like. So God is, he's, we know he's good, he's holy, he's set apart, he's righteous, he's just, he's loving, he's compassionate and, and forgiving, he's selfless and merciful, he's true, he's amazing, like I said in the beginning. And so we look at mankind, and we're like, well, wait a minute. Okay, so we're made in the image of God, and we look at mankind, and it may seem like mankind is hateful and murderous and prideful and vengeful and greedy and deceitful and full of lust and perversion and depressed and lacking self-control. And we look, and we see it's obvious. We're broken. We're diseased. Um, we need to be fixed, and we need to be healed. Something's not quite right. So what is this? We look at God and say, God, why'd you make us? This world that is just full of destruction and suffering and, and death and disease and horrible things, horrible things. And I, I look at God and I'm thinking, God, is just, what is going on? Why, why is it like this? Surely, if you're a good God, why is the world like this? Why did, why did you create us if you knew this was going to happen? 
And then I also think faith is not just believing that there's a God. Faith is not just trusting in Jesus. Faith is also trusting that God knows what he's doing, that he, he knows what he's doing. What, what do we know? We know nothing. And that's the problem with mankind. Mankind thinks they know everything. We think we know everything. We think that we have it all figured out. We think we, we understand existence. We think we, that science is the know-all, end-all, and everything's explained. This whole COVID-19 thing, it's like we have all the, the greatest scientists and, and medical uh, minds in the world come together, and they still can't figure this thing out fast enough. What is man? Man is nothing. Man is futile. It's, it's just, it just amazes me. And we also we spend so much time trying to figure this world out, trying to discover it, which is perfect. That's fine. It's, it's, that's what we're supposed to do as stewards of this earth is to search out this realm that God's given us to, to be stewards over. And that's the amazing thing. But so many of us, so many of mankind stops right there. They stop and just think, this is all there is to learn. This is all there is. This is all there is to us. And that's not true. We are this thing, this creation that God values so much that he invested his blood, sweat, and tears into. Why? That's the great mystery. And so that should be our whole thing, is trying to find out why the creator made us and to put ourselves in the position of, of who we are and who we are in the creator. And we, we spend so much time getting caught, caught up in these factions and polit political parties, you know, left, right, liberal, conservative, uh, Democrat, Republican. We go through all these things. And we think about race and ethnicity, that person, that person, that crowd, that idea, that thought, rich, poor, it goes on and on. And, and all these things mean nothing. They're meaningless. They're temporal, they die, they're worthless, they segregate mankind, and it's totally not what God's will is. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it's death. And that's, that's like, yeah, that's right. So many things seem right to us. So many, so many things feel like that's the way that life is, that's the way it should be. But at the end of the day, it means nothing. It's death. It's, it's worthless. There's only one path to take. There's only one thing that means anything. And that's what we're going to step into next. God's nature is, in his ways, in his word, in his kingdom, is eternal and strong, and it's unmoving, and it's true, and it's perfect, and it's, un and it's unifying. It, it's actually made to bring people together. He's all about family. He's all about strengthening groups, his children. He wants children. He is, he is doing something here. So mankind fell. Mankind messed up. Mankind became diseased. And if you read, and I don't, I, don't, I don't have the scripture, but if you read Isaiah 57, verse 16, and we see God looking, looking and seeing after he's been trying so much to invest in mankind and seeing that he's, he's basically saying, I'm not going to spend all this time trying to contend with mankind, trying to get them right, trying to accuse them, being angry, trying to get them right, because they're going to become faint. They're going to they're run out of gas. They don't have enough strength to keep up. And he's basically saying, my purpose in creating man is going to be frustrated. I need to do something else. And we know God had a plan from the beginning. From, from ever since man fell, he had a plan. So he wasn't surprised. So it's like, it's like God was beginning to, do, to develop something to sustain man. 
and to keep us going so that his purpose can uh, continue to go and that he can continue to have more people, more children, more of us. And here we have the Lord worked to redeem mankind back to himself by putting himself right smack dab in the middle of all this and so that he can grow in the full form of man and into this perfect and powerful, the most perfect, the most powerful being that's ever born on this earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 22, it says, For as Adam all died, so as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. So basically, no, no longer are we supposed to be the image bearer of the first man, Adam, the one who brought death. But now we are supposed to be the image bearer of that last man, Christ Jesus. This is the perfect one. This is the one who is glorified. Now we become a new creation, a, a new thing. Now it's like Jesus has pled himself to be this tree that, has, that now drops these seeds into this earth. And now we become that if we put ourselves in, the, in that condition, in that German, germ, germination, like a, like a seed, to begin to process and become what he's made us to be. So we, we're supposed to become a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So this is it. Jesus is the perfect human being. He's the example. He's the model of perfection. And he, again, we, look, we use this illustration to think about earth as this garden. He has come, and he's set up. And you know, trees bear, they, they bear seeds. That's where seeds come from. They come from the source of what they are. So here it is. You have Jesus comes, and he begins to plant the seed of the gospel, plant the seed of the kingdom, and we take it. We, become, we begin to become this land, this, uh, this soil to take that in and to grow, grow in that. It's not God's will that we become stagnant. And um, a seed is an amazing thing. Think of the... I think like the tallest trees in the world are the, the redwood trees that you see in California. And man, these trees get to like 300 to 350 feet tall. And I think the tallest of them is like, I think it's called a Hyperion or something like that, Hyperion. And it's like 380 feet tall. I think it's like the tallest tree in the world. But when you see the, the, a redwood seed, it's this little bitty thing. There's so much potential in that little bitty seed. And that seed is not the tree, right? It's, but it has that potential to become that but it has to be put in the right condition. So, like a seed goes through that process of germination and that little bitty bud pops out of that seed and the little leaves start to reach for the sky and break through that surface. When I, you see me doing this, these are leaves, okay? So the, so the leaves start to break through the surface and it's when those leaves come, the leaves are for the processing of photosynthesis. That's the, the leaves are bringing in the, the sunlight. It has, needs the water and the carbon dioxide to to make and, and to keep growing and all that stuff. And that's what we're supposed to do, spiritually speaking. We are to reach for the sun, S-O-N, reach up. It can grow, grow, grow. And if you read the scriptures going all throughout the scriptures, you see that 
That's God's, God's main focus, is for us to grow, for us to become what he's made us to be, not to be seeds just sitting in the ground and rotting. Because what happens to a seed that doesn't, that doesn't uh, mature, that doesn't germinate and grow out? It, it, it becomes nothing. So inside every seed is this great potential. And so again, illustrating using ourselves, humankind is, has such great potential that God has in store. And so just like a seed goes through this germination process, this struggle to reach for the sun, so we have to go through the salvation process. So as, as a person, you, you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know he died for you. You know he paid it all for you. He takes away your sins, and you become justified. It's just as if you had never sinned. And so now you don't stop there, because so many people, they sprout up. Ah, I got leaves. I'm going to heaven. Hee! And they're playing in the dirt, and da-da-da. And again, these are leaves. And they're playing in the dirt, and... But they don't do anything more than that. They're not growing. They're not continuing the process to keep growing. And what happens? That little seedling can get devoured by insect, devoured by a bird. The flood, the flood can come, and anything can come and just destroy it. But if, if that plant, that tree keeps growing and reaching for the sun and getting bigger and stronger, when those weeds come, it means nothing. Puny weed, you mean nothing to me. We have to keep growing. If you stay where you are, you risk death spiritually or physically. It's, it's, a, it's a scary thing. So we have to go through this process called sanctification. And it's a struggle, it's a push, it's a, it's a, it's a purification, and it's Jesus doing it right with us. Jesus is like, look, I went through that too. I went through the same thing you went through. Let's do this together. Let's link up. My yoke is easy. Link up with me. My burden is light. Come on. Because if you stay out that way, you're going to be destroyed. Stay with me. He is rooting us on. He is rooting us on. That's what's so awesome about this. We're not alone in this process, but we have to keep reaching for the sun, S-O-N. And, the, and, after, the, and after that sanctification process is the glorification. We don't, we, don't get that, we don't get to glorification. We don't get to glory until we are out of this realm. Okay, so the words of God last forever. His will, his word lasts forever. And it is, it's God's will that no one should perish. It was never his will that any of us should die or be destroyed or go to hell or any of that. That's the will of God. And if we, go into the, if we walk and live by the word of God and by the will of God, we will live forever because his word and his will is eternal. If we don't do that, then there, there, is, no, there is no eternal life after that. So just like a seed... Just like when a farmer sows a seed, he sows those seeds. He, he wants every seed to become a crop so that it can grow fully to its, to its potential, to what it's supposed to be, and then he can harvest it and take it to his barn and celebrate with it, right? God is the same way. He, he didn't put us all here to be destroyed. He didn't put us all here for just a few of us to grow. He wants everybody. It's his will that none should perish, but that everyone should come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So... We're all in this period of grace. And it's like, just like the crops are growing on a, on a farmer's field, they're in, a, they're in a period of grace before they're harvested. They're given time to grow. And so God has given us a period of grace to grow, to know him, to come to him, and to become what we are be, to be in eternity. But we have to produce fruit. And you see in um, John chapter 15, there Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about being the, the true vine. And... He tells, and I'm just paraphrasing what he said, but he tells his disciples, saying, and, he, and he's not just t- talking to his disciples, he's talking to us 
even to today, and all, all people, hey, I'm the true vine, you guys are the branches. You stay grafted in me, you're gonna grow, you're gonna be, you're gonna produce fruit, you're gonna have everything that you need, but those that don't produce fruit are gonna be pruned off, will be cut off by the father, who was like the farmer, and thrown away and burned. But you are to produce fruit and grow. And so when you're, so if you're reaching for the sun and you're growing and you're, and you're going through that process and you're taking in his word and you're taking in the Holy Spirit's reigning over you and you're, and you're praying and you're going through the process of sanctification and you're pushing and you're reaching and you're going, going after God, you're going after Jesus with all your heart. He's the source. He's the perfect, he's the, the perfect one. He's the sunlight. He's the, he's the rain. He's everything. He's awesome. And so it's then that you're, you begin to produce fruit. Ooh, there's love. Ooh, there's joy, kindness, gentleness. Everything starts to pop out, and you're like, wow, look at that. And it's all because you're reaching for the sun. So we need to be fixed. We're broken. And Jesus came to fix us. He came to repair us. He came to heal our disease, and that disease being iniquity, sin, that desire to want to do wrong, that desire to want to sin, that craving. He comes to take that away from us. And um, Jesus said that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He's the image of God. He's, he's the image of God. And we are supposed to take, we're supposed to take his image. And let's look at these scriptures because they, they pretty much say that. So we're going real fast here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin, so that we could be made right with God through, through Christ. Ephesians 4, chapter chapter 4, sorry, verse 22, it says, throw off your old sinful nature in your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. First John, chapter 3, it's in verse 1, it says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear, cho- dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have his, this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. And one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Colossians chapter 3, I love this. I'm reading this in the Amplified, starting in verse 2, verse chapter 3, verse 2. It says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which, are only, temp- which only have temporal value, for you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's amazing. So our true life, the trueness of who we are as people is hidden in this perfect model, this perfect man, this Christ who is God. That's our true identity. It's in him. And this is, and when we, so when we receive Jesus and we say, yes, Lord, I am wretched, I'm weak, die to yourself, reach for the sun, and you go after him, we have this blessed hope, this blessed assurance that, man, one of these days, all this horror, all this pain, all this suffering is going to be gone. And we're going to become like him, who is perfect. 
We groan for that. I know the scriptures say that, that nature like groans for the sons of God, or the children of God to be revealed. There's this, it just groans and aches like labor pains. We are sown in weakness in this world, but we will be raised in power. It's mighty stuff. It's awesome. God is awesome. So we need to set our side, we need to set ourselves to know Jesus. And that's it. There's no other purpose in life. So forget about your politics, forget about your race, forget about, and I hate word race because we're all of the same race. We're all the human race. It's not like we're, it's not like we're uh, elves and dwarves and gnomes and stuff like that. I mean, this is not Lord of the Rings. But this is, man, we're, we're the human race. And God has created us many colors because he loves colors. He loves different flavors. He loves diversity. He loves that stuff because he's, he's intelligent. He's amazing. Um, okay, so I'm going to step into another phase here. And this is, so we kind of talked to just, and not, there were so many scriptures I had here. I had to cut a lot back because this is basically condensed. And I've actually shared a little bit, little bit of this a few years ago in a youth group. And I'm not sure if the poor young people got it. But I, I, when Scott had asked me, you know, if I would teach and and um, first I was just like, wow, yeah, absolutely, you know. And then I was, then I was like, oh, well, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And he's like, you know that thing we've been, you've been, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that. Because I have a hard time trying to get out what's inside of me. I can write stuff down. I can have it all, this whole thing. But trying to get it out is, is difficult. So I just really need you guys. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit that you understand a word I'm saying. And because it's not me. I'm just the mouthpiece. Let the Holy Spirit come through me. All right, so you guys follow, follow along with me here. So I'm going to use an illustration here. So it seems like the, the whole um, relationship of wh- who the church is is, um, is likened to that of a, a groom and a bridegroom. This, this love, this romance, this, this passion, and, um, which is still, it just makes, it baffles me because we're just so nasty and disgusting and stinky. And, but anyhow... But God, God sees potential in us. There's a reason. There's a reason why we're here. No one's a mistake. And I want you guys to remember that. I tell the young people this too. There's, you're, no one's an accident. No one's a mistake. God purposed you for a reason. Don't blame. Don't just seek him out. And he, he, will, and he wants you to seek him out. It's, it, we have this free will to choose where to go. We have this free will to choose who to become. We have this free will to choose him. It's this perfect love. God does not force himself on us. He doesn't just, come here, you know, and force himself on us. But he, he wants us to receive him in love, not in fear, not in slavery, but in complete, utter love and want, free will, choice. All right, so, so let's think of Jesus like this romantic bride, a bridegroom who's just, ah, my darling, I want to take you away and give you the world and oh, I'm going to give you my riches and the land is all yours. You're like, you're like um, Aladdin, you know, talking to Jasmine. Oh, I could show you the world. You know, here's Jesus. Is t- he's telling us something. So we're going to go into the book of Revelation. And um, Pastor Scott did an awesome series about the seven churches that uh, Jesus is talking to in the book of Revelation. It's awesome. If it's still in the archives, you guys should check it out. It's amazing. But um, Jesus says something to each of those churches, and, and, these, and what he's saying to the churches is the same thing that he's saying to us today. It, it applies to all of us. And he gives a promise to those who overcome. So remember, who's, who's the one who's, who's overcome? Who's overcome the earth? Who's overcome death, hell, and the grave? Who's overcome sin? It's Jesus. He's the one who's overcome. So now, 
if we are to be in his image, we are supposed to be overcomers as well, right? So we're going to go to Revelations chapter 2, verse 7. And this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to the church. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, if you go back to um, Genesis chapter 3, and you see that when Adam and Eve sinned, and they were cast out of the garden, what did God say? God says, okay, now man has become like us, knowing right and wrong. They must not have access to the tree of life, or else they will live forever. They need to go out of the Garden of Eden. So God said a cherubim, big mighty cherubim. And people don't think of cherubims like these little fat little babies with the little wings that you see in the Renaissance paintings. Cherubim are mighty beings. They're huge. And so he set a cherubim to guard that, to guard the entrance, the entrance, the entrance into the into into Eden to keep mankind from going back and having that tree of life. But now Jesus is saying, if you overcome the, the, the fallen nature and partake of the divine nature, which is Jesus' Jesus' nature, you overcome this, this life and the ways of this world, you will be able to go back and partake of that tree of life. And you will be, and basically you're saying you're going to live forever in the paradise of God. We call that heaven, right? All right, Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. So we know about the second death. The second death is basically hell. You know, this is basically the final hell. This is when God takes, you know, the devil and all his angels and the, the Antichrist and the false prophet and all of those who, who did not, um, who rejected Christ. They're thrown into the lake of fire. So is the second death. So Jesus is just saying here, hey, you overcome this world. You become, you become overcomers in my image. You will not go to hell. All right, we have eternal life. We're going to heaven, and we're not going to hell. Praise God. But we don't stop there. Here Jesus says in chapter 2, verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let him who overcomes, okay, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Now, scholars try to figure out what this hidden manna is, and I'm not going to get into all that because I don't know. Um, but he's going to give us a new name, a name that is solidified in stone, that is pure. And what is a name? A name is an identity. We're going to have a new identity. We're going to have a new worth. Sorry. We're going to have a new purpose. You know why? Because what's here is not even the beginning. We haven't even broken through the surface yet. We're, we're not even babies yet. We're just seeds growing, seedlings growing. Life hasn't even begun yet. Everything is kind of at, this, at this, this pause right now. It's not a pause, but it's this process of becoming what we're supposed to be. So given a new name, Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, it says, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him, okay, just as I received authority, and then another statement is, I will also give him the morning star. So we know that Jesus is coming back to this earth, glorified, fully deified, and he will, he will take his place as the ruler of this world. 
And the scriptures say that we're going to come back with him. His saints, he comes back with tens of thousands of his saints to rule and reign with him. So we are going to have, we have this, and I think that scripture saying there, this, with an iron scepter, it's no longer the ways of man that are going to prevail. They're going to be broken. They're going to be shattered. It's no longer the devil and his tactics are no longer going to be the way. But that iron scepter is the, the holiness and the power of Jesus Christ and his nature, his divine nature. And it rules everything. And we partake in that as rulers with him. He's going to give us the morning star. Jesus Christ is the bright morning star. He's the day star. He's the glorious one. We're going to reflect him. He's the head. We're the body. He's the source. We're, we're grafted. And we're just the branches. But we're going to reflect his glory. We're going to reflect his light. And the wise words of Yoda, the Jedi master, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Yoda's brilliant. You didn't know Yoda was a Christian, did you? No, I'm just joking. All right, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. It says, He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but I will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. We're going to be purified. We're going to be solidified in the book of life. And, and our name, our new name, our identity will be known to the angels and all those and throughout the universe. Who knows? Jesus saying, this is my, these are my people. This is my person. They belong to me. This is my, in the, in the form of relationship, this is my bride. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, it says, he who, he who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. If you look at Revelation chapter 19, you see it's talked about there that Jesus has a, na a new name that is only known to him. And so God reveals himself in so many ways to us. He has all these different names of what you know, Jesus has a meaning and the Christ has a meaning. And um, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, and, and all these different names that we know of. He's revealed himself in so many different names. But like Jesus has another a side of him that we don't even know about. He's only revealed to us so much right now. We don't even know the whole fullness of God yet. But here he's going to show us that identity and he's going to put his name on us. The name of God. The name of the new Jerusalem that's going to be our identity in this new paradise. It's going to be our, our identity is going to be who, who Christ becomes. And to become a pillar in his temple. You know how the scripture says that we are the temple of, of, of the Holy Spirit? It was never God's intention to, to dwell in a building. It was always his intention to, to dwell in his people. You read the book of Revelation, see now the God comes down to earth to dwell with his people and I will be their God and they will be my people that's always been God's passion this, this, this inner love, this inner connection this inner communion, this inner unity is amazing and this, these are mysteries to us we don't, we, I can't fathom this, none of us can fathom this, we can just try to, try to humanize it the best we can but we have no idea what potential we have in, in, within us Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 it says to him who overcomes I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Wow. Wow. 
we're going to be one with Christ. Again, he's the head. So let's, let's don't get this, let's don't let our, our brains get too big here. But something's going on here. I want you guys to follow me. Something is going on here. We are more than what we seem. Our potential and what God has, has given us is more than what we know. There's something beyond this realm. And, and God has created us for a purpose. And it's going to, our life is going to begin there. And whatever, the universe is huge, it's vast. I don't know what we're going to be doing forever, but it's going to be assignments, there's going to be things, there's going to be more to do. The universe is huge. We're just only getting started, just this little speck called the earth. And then um, as we go on to Revelation chapter 21, and this goes on a little further, and this is after Jesus has pretty said, I'm, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth, and all this is going to be wonderful and great, and I'm going to be my people, I'm going to be your God, and all this. And then here he says, he who overcomes, we're in chapter 21, verse 7, he who overcomes will inherit, inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Or you can insert daughter. Amazing. Amazing. So we have to get this mindset. We have to begin to try to have the mind of Christ so we can start looking at other people and thinking. And, 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 as, and I'm in the same boat, boat here. I think we all are. We see other people, and we see just rude people and people who are nasty, and we see people that we just don't, we just don't plain like, or we see people who are tatted all up and piercings and all that stuff, and, and, and even people who, who are criminals and murderers and stuff like that, and we see them, and we are disgusted by them, and we hate them. But we need to start looking at people like they are this seed full of so much potential, and it's our duty to pray. A lot of people who are, are not in the condition, in those conditions to begin to, to know Christ. That's why it is our purpose to take the seeds that God's given us, the seed of the gospel, the seed of the kingdom, and go out into the world, to our, our neighborhood, to our, to our city, to our country, to the world, and preach the gospel. Because everyone must, must hear it. Everyone must know. So that God's purpose for creating man can be fully developed. Again, it is not his will that anyone should perish. It's not his will that anyone should, um, should fall away and be thrown away and to be cast away. It was never his will for anyone to go to hell. Reach for the sun. That's our whole purpose. Our aim always is to please God. That's our, 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 whether we are here in the body or away from the body. I forgot what scripture that was about somewhere in um, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Our aim always is to please him. That's our whole duty, is to please God. Not to please ourselves, not to please someone else, but to please God. And when we do things God's way, you become this full-blown, awesome human being that's gentle and loving and cares. And we think, think of the story where Jesus kind of sees his disciples and he sees that they're arguing about something. And he's like, what are you guys arguing about? And they got quiet. They were like... And they didn't say anything. But he knew, he knew what was going on. And he found out that they were arguing about who was going to be um, the greatest in, in the kingdom to come. And Jesus said, look, in order to be the greatest, you must become the last. Because the last will be first, and the first will be last. So when we hear these things about us being glorified with Jesus, Jesus is our life. We hear about this, this communion, this oneness that we're going to have with Christ. And, and ruling this universe with him. When we look at that, we need to remember that we need to humble ourselves. We need to be humble. We need to be meek. We need to be servants. We need to be 
the least of everybody. We need to see the lowliest person and be, and be their servant. And that's what it is. This is a whole other kingdom. This is a kingdom beyond our thoughts, beyond our ways. We can't even imagine. So I just want to leave, leave you guys with that. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he is the one who will lift you up. God says, as I am holy, you are to be holy. And he also goes on to say, I am the one who will make you holy. We don't do this by ourselves. So if any of you guys are out there and you're teetering on the fence, or you, or you, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're thinking, I'm worth nothing, that is a lie. That is a lie from the devil. That is not true. I've, I've gone through these same things too growing up, and now I just kind of settled. Okay, I'm a big old black dude. That's how it's going to be. Let's run with it. But no, my, I, I struggled, you know, in my youth of my image and how I looked, and I would change myself all up and everything. But once Christ found me, and I realized my purpose and my potential, and then it didn't matter. The, what, who I looked at in the mirror didn't matter. It was who I was inside. And it's who, who is inside me who is great. That is Jesus. That's what matters. So when we look at other people, we need to look at them and see potential inside them. And we need to pray for them. We need to reach out to them and bring them into the kingdom. That's the will of God. And we are to walk in that will. All right, that's all I got. I hope you guys could just t- can understand where I was going here and just take it in because I know I need it too. So be blessed. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.